I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. When it comes to gas prices, many politicians are falling into, I think they're going back to their childhood and hearing their mother or their father yell at them, don't just stand there, do something. So some of them are just doing something. That's rarely the right thing to do. And so some are looking at giving Americans direct rebate payments to help ease the pain at the pump. But is that a good idea just because you can do something or is it better to don't do something, just stand there for a minute. And what does that impact look like? Uh, what helps the economic challenge? What makes it worse? Phil Rossetti always helps us think through all of this. He's a resident senior fellow at our friends at the R Street Institute. Phil, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, so let's break this down. Is uh, is is this the way we solve the problem is with a direct rebate payment to ease pain at the pump? I, I wish it was that simple, <laughs> but unfortunately, there, there's a lot of things that can go wrong with this and almost certainly would go wrong with that type of policy. Uh, so I think if we you know, step back a bit and say, OK, you know, what would these rebates look like? Who's paying for them? You know, immediately it becomes apparent that it's taxpayers that have to cover the cost of this, uh, which are typically the people buying gasoline anyway. So it's not really going to hold anyone uh, in a better position unless they just aren't paying taxes or, or some other entity. Uh, you know, you're really just kind of saying, okay, give the money to the government, and then the government gives it back to you to only use it for this one uh, purpose. And then who are going to be the people who really benefit from this? It would be uh, gasoline you know, producers, sellers, because they're the ones who say, oh, you know, already there's this huge demand for my product. Now the purchasing power of my customer has increased. Therefore, they can charge even higher pro uh, prices because with the rebate, you just incentivize to say, everyone, hey, if you get $100, you're going to buy $100 of gasoline no matter what, you know, that week or month or however much it covers. Uh, and that is just going to drive the prices up because of the increase in demand. And we see this in other sectors where, Government tries to cover costs or subsidize. Uh, you look at college tuition. You look at uh, you know, health care as a good example. In these sectors, the prices just keep, keep going up because the government is going to keep increasing the purchasing power of the clientele. So really, at the end of the day, 
Uh, it would just be the companies that are already doing really well right now that would benefit. Taxpayers would get hurt pretty badly. Uh, and anyone who would have to buy gasoline and wouldn't get covered by a rebate would get really hurt even more mm. at the pump. So just a lot that could go wrong. What could possibly go wrong? Now, you, you used an example that I think is great. This this will, this will helped me really think it through. Uh, and since we're into officially summer now, it, it is hot dog season. Uh, and you threw out an, an example of what would happen uh, if this were all about hot dogs. Just walk us through that scenario because I think it helps us clarify what actually happens when the government intervenes in this way. Right. So, you know, I think – uh, it can be helpful to think about these policies when you think about your general practices in a competitive market. So, you know, you can buy any type of food you want, but if the government says, okay, we're only going to cover your costs if you buy hot dogs and not if you buy hamburgers or something else, that's just going to steer your demand into hot dogs and not into something that might actually give you more utility or more pleasure. Uh, and the, the people who are in that market are going to be the ones who benefit the most. So I think we see this, uh, you know, with pretty much any subsidy, when we just step back and take a look at it and apply that same scenario to different ways that government could interfere in the market, we start to realize like, oh, you know, maybe this isn't such a good idea. Uh, and that's exactly what's happening here. We don't want government to say, oh, yeah, this thing that you already um, you know, aren't going to buy, uh, we're just going to make you buy more of it. Yeah, so as we as we look at those high gasoline prices, they're they're obviously not just caused by a single thing, but there's a there's a host of things that are really kind of converging uh, to cause this to go up. Uh, and so, one, what are all those factors, and then how do we start to address some of those in a positive way? Yeah, this this is actually something that even with the, the rebates, even more important to appreciate is uh, gasoline. You know, petroleum products in general are in a a really liquid global market. You know, the things that you can buy here, you can buy abroad, and the oil that's produced in the United States can get sold anywhere in the world. And, and likewise, and we, we buy a lot from all over the world. Uh, and as a result, things that happen in China, like they had a lot of COVID lockdowns that they're now easing off of, uh, that increases the demand. You look at the conflict uh, with Russia and Ukraine, that increases uh, constraints on supply. So all these factors, and then you look at the pandemic, uh, you know, the, the first thing that was hit were oil prices, and all these companies start really trying to scale back, and that resulted in them uh, investing less, so we don't have the same capacity for production and refining that we used to have. So all of these things are starting to compound and raise prices, and then you already have going into summer, higher demand, people trying to travel more, you know, people have uh, vaccines, antiviral treatment, they're not as concerned about COVID as they were a couple of years ago. Uh, and it's just kind of a perfect storm for this. Uh, so that puts a lot of pressure on politicians to want to do something. But this is also important because you think about, okay, what would the effect of a policy like this be globally? And if you're actually increasing the demand for these products, it could also have bad energy security implications mm. because you would actually be increasing oil prices and thus uh, increasing the ability of Russia to raise revenue for its war efforts through its own oil sales. You'd be increasing the wealth for Iran and Venezuela and these regimes that are under sanction. Uh, so we can't ignore the global market 
in this. And really, we need to focus on increasing supply and especially American supply to try to combat these shortages. Yeah, I think that's so important. We we talked earlier about uh, Vladimir Putin's strategy of saying, okay, well, if Russia's or if uh, Europe is going to cut off uh, our gas and, and oil imports, uh, there's lots of other places around the world where we can sell. Uh, and if the uh, price of all of this, you know, causes the, the excuse me, causes the price to go up, uh, we can make up the difference uh, just in in uh, the the quantity and the the price that we can get for the for those uh, barrels of oil. Uh, one last quick thing uh, for you before I let you go, uh, as you you also compared this to kind of the student loan uh, for college tuition, and again, it's this this principle that I want to really drive home for our listeners today in terms of what happens as government plays in these different areas. Sometimes there's a role. Sometimes that's important. A lot of times it increases costs and reduces the quality in terms of what you actually get. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's important to bear in mind that the government is not what sets the price here. It's really going to be this interaction between the consumer and the provider. So you look at tuition, uh, you know, the colleges, at first they could only charge the tuition that their students had the ability to pay. So that meant they had to be uh, prudent with their resources. They couldn't charge so much that students wouldn't be able to pay it off with part-time work or something of that nature. And then the government says, okay, we're going to guarantee a loan availability for any student, regardless of their uh, financial ability to repay. And now the colleges could charge whatever they wanted. And that's exactly what they did. You know, you look at those tuition costs and they've just been going uh, skyrocketing. And this is exactly the same type of scenario. You know, if you're spending, uh, let's say, $200 a month on gasoline, and then the government says, okay, we're going to give you an extra $100 a month, that just signals to the gasoline suppliers, oh, we can now charge this same person an extra $100 a month because they were already willing and able to pay up to that point. So they have no reason to be prudent or efficient in trying to constrain their price hikes. Uh, They're insulated from that now. They don't want to be more efficient. They can charge whatever they want. Uh, So that's why we need to make sure that government's not interfering with the signals that otherwise tell people to be more efficient and prudent with their practices. Uh, Great insight as always. Phil Rossetti, resident senior fellow at the R Street Institute. Uh, Great insight there. And again, our motto for the day is don't do something, stand there. I think we can be a little better off. Uh, Far too often these things end up costing taxpayers more. Uh, rather than getting to the real root of the problem and the challenge. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. 
Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.